You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. And we're back on Money Talk, and uh, I told you this was a Business Celebrity Wednesday, and here they come. Stuart Aldcroft, Asian Fund Management Industry Consultant. Stuart, welcome back. And good morning to you, Andrew, and a happy summer solstice day. It is summer solstice, isn't it? This it is, is. This is the, the long one. Hemisphere, anyway. Hey, fantastic. So, uh, oh, it's also National Selfie Day, so that'll suit you. <laughs> <laughs> like like people need any encouragement. Quite <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. You're coming at us all the way from Washington D.C. The uh, the U.S. nation's capital is Barry Wood, RTHK's international economics correspondent. Good morning, Barry. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Stuart. Good morning, Barry. Guys, uh, Barry, lots happening on your side of the pond. You've got uh, Prime Minister Modi is uh, speaking to all the big tech bosses. He's going to hit the White House, and Jerome Powell is speaking to the Fed this week. Where do you want to start? Well, let's start with Elon Musk. <laughs> let's. Uh, look, um, this is significant, isn't it? This is going on now in New York City. Uh, Mr. Modi is here. He's got a state dinner coming up Thursday here in Washington. And, you know, Mr. Musk is peripatetic. He's all over with that Gulfstream 5 of his. And obviously, Musk has got the money from Tesla and Modi would like to get much more into autos, in particular EVs. So um, this is a natural. Mr. Musk, what, less than 10 days ago, was doing the same kind of uh, proselytizing, or maybe it was in reverse, from the French president, Mr. Macron, and from the Italian premier, um, Miss, Miss Maloney. So everyone wants a Tesla factory. Mm. Uh, so far, there's only one, the biggest one in Shanghai, mm -hmm. uh, one in Austin, Texas, one in Berlin, one being built in Mexico, and of course, the original one in Fremont, California, outside of San Francisco. So it's significant. Hmm. So do you think you will actually uh, agree to building a Tesla factory in India? I think it's unlikely, Stuart. I think it's unlikely, as my Indian friends say, and I emphasize the word Indian, India is too chaotic. Uh, yes, they do build cars in India, but I think uh, Tesla will probably go in lightly. Just as Google, by the way, is yeah. going in lightly, they're going to shift some Pixel phone production to India. Yeah, but India's but got quite a record of building cars, albeit most of the cars they built for many of the years were 30 or 40 years old in design, and, uh, and, and yeah, they kept running. Um, so uh, my guess is that uh, there'll be a lot of um, chat and I think probably quite a good opportunity. The question will be where would they put it? And, um, and that's maybe um, what, what uh, Modi and uh, Musk will get to talk about. You may be right, but certainly for Musk, mm -hmm. India is a huge market. And yeah, of course. I think that they would like to be there. Mm. It's just mm. not going to happen quickly. Yeah, exactly. And I think if, if there's a market that needs EVs, uh, you know, in terms of cleaning up air pollution in urban centers, India's got to be at the top of the list. But, I mean, mm. uh, there's a lot cheaper options for... Would, would agree with you, Andrew, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. But, of course, they could also export from India to uh, other parts of the world, Australia or to the U.K., because uh, they drive on the correct side of the road there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
And I thought I, I'd just get that in. So here's here's a question for you, um, and and Barry. I mean, like you know, given so uh, Prime Minister Modi speaking to Elon Musk, maybe even as we are, even as we're having this conversation later in the week, he's got Tim Cook from Apple. He's got Google, Sundar Pichai, Microsoft, Satya Nadella, uh, Raj Subramaniam. But I mean, for software companies, things have generally worked out pretty well in India. Uh, but for people that are making things, sometimes they've had the rug pulled out from under them. Uh, telecoms companies have gotten into tax trouble in India. H- how are people in, in New York and Washington taking this this uh, this romance tour from from Modi right now? Are they are they buying into it? Are they like, yeah, you're talking sweet talk today, but you know things can turn. Are they buying it? Well, I don't know is the short answer, but I would guess this that uh, indeed we have so many Indian engineers and other tech executives from India in the United States. So obviously there's a lot of executive talent in India. But as you suggest, uh, this is a pretty difficult place to do business. And it's been a very protectionist economy. So uh, I I don't think that um, these tech executives that you outline are going to rush into the market, but they want to be there. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Modi has brought stability to India. I mean, he's nine years in the office. He is uh, shifted away from his reliance on Russia, uh, certainly on military equipment. So, look, GE Engines is going to put up a plant uh, to build uh, jet engines for the Indian Air Force. This is significant. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah Stuart? No, I, I, I'd agree with what Barry is saying there. Um, the, the whole point of manufacturing in India, though, is to manufacture for India. Um, and, and so anything that you can build in India that may, is, is sold in India, given that it's now, in population terms, bigger than China, uh, it really must be a very big opportunity. And I, I don't think many business people, given half a chance, would turn it down. Is, is part of this maybe looking better than it is because it has a White House blessing on thir- Thursday? A lot of these tech executives are going to be meeting Modi at the White House, mm-hmm. big state dinner. Uh, the U.S. Uh, State Department is really late. This is like almost on the level of a royal visit. Well, Biden is blessing it, really, isn't he? So that's, that's probably in, the way to look at it. In, in sharp contrast to you know how things have been going with China lately, where it seems like business people are getting closer to China now, but the politicians yeah. are, not, yeah. are not into it. Um, uh, but I mean... By contrast, I mean, with China, there's been a lot of political rhetoric, but the you know, levels of trade just keep going up, up, and up. Yeah. Is China going to be the opposite? Is it going to have the political blessing, but business is still going to be... Well, no, everyone wants to go wherever they can make money and wherever, wherever they can do things. And, mm-hmm. and China had been the place. It was the, the world's manufacturing center. Mm-hmm. Uh, India is a challenger to China and is wanting to have some of the same things that China has. And in itself, it is a big market, just like China is. Mm -hmm. But it also could could be the gateway to to manufacturing and exporting. Uh, The only difficulty, or the major difficulty, that India presents, as uh, Barry has intimated, it is a little bit um, disorganized, and they do have exchange controls, and they do have a whole host of different restrictions. But all of that was exactly the same with China. So um, businesses are familiar with these things, and what they can do is to to adjust accordingly. Yeah. so, I mean, so you've got this. I mean, if, if Americans uh, in particular want to invest in China, where are they going to borrow the money? And that brings us to interest rates. Are they going to borrow money in America to build factories in India or are they going to have to borrow from local banks? Uh, 
And My I mean, guess is that they would borrow money from America uh, to get. But but uh, you know if they're building, um, they, they, they may well start with cash. A lot of them have got cash still, and they just don't know where, where to spend it. And this is one of the best ways in which to spend it is is investing into your future business. That's a very good um, point. But I think we we need to look at um, you know the the, the whole gamut of the way in which businesses operate in China and uh, clearly um, there are some that are doing pretty well, some that are struggling but but the scale of the market remains as big as it is um, very attractive to businesses to try to get in there. Yeah, and I mean, but yes, but yeah. uh, let's not forget that um, private investment in China has been at a standstill, and certainly foreign direct investment coming into China has been at a standstill. I know the Germans put a lot of money in last year, but private investment internally has also been very slow. While most of the investment that has taken place is in the state sector, I think the Americans. The American business community that wants to do business in both India and China are going to be careful because, uh, particularly on China, there is this political stalemate, despite all the good signs that came from Mr. Blinken's visit to Beijing and endorsement of President Biden, who is now in San Francisco. Uh, it, it's just going to be slow moving because they're not sure whether the uh, opposition to normal business relations with China is going to run into a real steel wall in Congress. There is bipartisan opposition to American business doing business in China. And we'll see where that goes. I mean, but I mean, the Congress isn't exactly hunky-dory on India's human rights records lately either. I mean, it's, it's probably a little more one-sided with the Democrats being more sensitive to what they perceive as issues with the Modi government. Uh, is, that, is that fair or is it just similar but I don't much think lower it is. degree? First of all, the, the level of, of, of trade, bilateral trade, is so low, U.S.-India, compared to U.S.-China, which is what, 500 billion or is it more per year? And that, by the way, is at a record high, despite all the political tension. Uh, as to human rights, sure, but uh, it's almost as you spoke, I was thinking one thing at a time for Congress. They're not going to focus on two things at once, and uh, they're, they're, they're focused on China, not India. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and in terms of a market, I mean, you've got China's GDP per head is roughly five times that of India, but I, I guess the counter to that would be China. India's got a lot of upside. Um, I do want to. I do want to hit on interest rates because we got a few minutes left here. Um, and as you know, it's, uh, Jerome Powell is going to go speak to the Fed this week. The last move by the Fed was no move, held rate steady. Uh, Stuart, what's what's your take? What do you what do you any any anticipation? Yeah, well, I, th I think the Fed will increase interest rates the next opportunity, which is in July. I think they'll increase them by twenty five basis points. They are still wanting to increase interest rates before the end of the current year, and any any notion that they would decrease interest rates is completely out the window. And yet, housing starts are up. Well, that's Barry's territory. Yeah, Barry. Well, and, and I agree with what you said, Stuart. I think there will be more interest rate rises ahead. The remarkable thing is that the economy is held up as well as it has in the face of these uh, really sharp increases in interest rates, up to 5.5%. Uh, that is a very high rate. It means that a mortgage in the United States is at about 7% at the lowest level. So that's more than double what it was, say, 12, 18 months ago. But 
Andrew, when you when you when you mention housing, mm. look what is happening here. We've had housing starts up 22 percent year over year in the month of May. We're seeing an improving supply chain. We have a lack of existing home inventory. Consumer and business confidence is holding steady and in some cases improving. And you've got solid demand. So the housing sector has not been battered by higher rates, and that's another surprise and a very good sign. At, at, at a time when consumer debt is at an all-time high, what, a trillion dollars combined? I mean, is, is, are things going to be great until they're not? Well, don't be a pessimist, Andrew. I mean, uh, debt is debt. Those numbers are just numbers. Yes, we have a lot of consumer debt. Are people talking about it at this moment? No. Hmm. I think, Barry, I mean, you and I, when we started out in life, we were living with double-digit interest rates, and we did do for a long time. I, I think that, uh, yes, we've seen interest rates rise from zero to uh, four to five percent. That sounds like a big number going from zero, but it's not a big number in the greater scheme of things. And, and the right. reality is that, um, I mean, it still is not going to bankrupt so many people as it would do if it were double-digit rates. Mm. Yeah, I still hear my parents talking about buying their first house double-digit rates. Didn't stop them. Yeah, it didn't, because it was, but then you didn't borrow so much money. But what we've seen these days is the effect of inflation and house prices have gone up massively over the last 25, 30 years. So it's inevitable that the amount of debt will be higher because of that. And I don't think we should put this um, as, as being an unusual situation. It is, you know, they sound like big numbers, but they're not really as big as the, uh, if, you, if you adjust them for inflation, it won't be quite so big. And uh, I think they're, they're, they're relatively normal in some respects. All right. Well, I'm, I've been playing a little tiny baby bear to the, uh, the bullish uh, guys that we had on today. Thank you very much to Stuart Aldcroft, Asia Fund Management Industry Consultant, and Barry Wood, who's going to be back later uh, to bring us a, a more in-depth look at what's going on in the United States. We're going to look at the